1 Samuel tonight. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter number 3 to begin with this evening. And uh, what wonderful music. Uh, I was up there enjoying the song, and then I reminded myself, oh, i got to get up and preach. Uh, I enjoy our music. Uh, our, uh, our church is just awesome, isn't it? And uh, even the offertory hymn, I'm up here, and I'm listening to the, the orchestra behind me and just hearing uh, this church congregation sing that, those old hymns. Boy, that just does something. It's nice to come to church and actually have church. And, uh, boy, what a great time uh, I always have in our music. I appreciate all the work that goes into our music. And it reminds me of a uh, year, year or two, probably two years ago, we had an evangelist here for the first time for a uh, short little conference. And it's here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then I think it was the Monday night or Tuesday night, he leaned over to me. It's the first time he'd ever been here. And he said, he said Brother Neil, he says, you've got some of the best music in the country. And I said, I'm going to have to disagree with you, sir. He said, we have the best music in the country. And uh, I appreciate our music ministry and uh, I, I, God's given us a lot of talented people, uh, but uh, what makes it sound so good is the lives of those who sing the music. And so I trust you've been blessed. Uh, this morning, <clears throat> I gave you an indication of what I felt the Lord have me preach tonight, and the message is going to be a little bit differently this evening. I'm going to give you the title again in just a moment. Uh, I'm going to have a word of prayer uh, and then I'm going to give uh, several, for several minutes, <laughs> give some, kind of lay a foundation uh, for the truth that I want to give tonight. I don't have a four-point outline tonight. I literally have four verses highlighted and one statement written in the margin of my Bible. And from that, we'll get our message this evening. Don't let that encourage you to think that we're getting out in five minutes. Usually, the opposite is true. But I promise you this, when I believe that the point has been made, the truth has been given, that God wants me to give tonight, we'll wrap it up and we'll go home. But I want you to listen very carefully to me tonight. If nothing else, we're going to be reminded from the message tonight of the sovereign hand of God. Make no mistake, God is in control. Make no mistake, when you are not aware of the move of God he is always working. He is always moving. Nothing catches God by surprise. So if nothing else, we are all <clears throat> going to get that this evening. But I imagine for somebody tonight, you're going to get a glimpse. The Holy Spirit will use this message uh, to give you a glimpse of maybe a little bit of an explanation of why you may be in a situation that you find yourself in. Uh, lately, I've been, uh, if not every, not every message in a row, but there's been a lot of messages where I come back to burdens, heartaches, disappointments, uh, and usually when the Lord keeps bringing me back to that, uh, there are many I know in this world who deal with those things, and if some of you weren't so hard-headed, I wouldn't have to keep preaching on this. We could move on to other subjects. Uh, but uh, I think we'll get a glimpse of, of these things tonight. Uh, but I'm going to ask you, uh, as the message I bring tonight is, is the title is, is this statement, <coughs> your problem might actually be the solution. Your problem might actually be the solution. But in order to get the truth that I believe that God wants us to have this evening, I'm going to ask you before we pray, to look beyond yourself. 
to get a broader vision than just you and yours and what you deal with. The work of God is so beyond us. I love what God is doing in our church. Uh, <coughs> say, Pastor, when are we going to have another revival? We've been in revival. I don't want to bring anybody in to mess it up. I'm not being unkind with that. I'm just saying God has been good to us. We have something special in the Emmanuel Baptist Church. But God's work is beyond us. God's work is beyond you. I'm going to ask you tonight, as I bring the message, to look a little broader than yourself. I know what it's like to be limited by flesh. We all do. Life, our limitations, brings into focus our daily task. But God has a purpose for everything. Don't we believe that? God allows everything for a reason. God can take that which is not good, and he can use it to his honor and glory. Joseph always comes to mind whenever I make a statement like that. It was not good what his brothers did to him. But God still, in his sovereignty, in his control, used, and Joseph summed it up at the end of the uh, book of Genesis, chapter number 50 and verse 25, ye meant it unto me for evil, but God meant it for good. And so tonight, I want to preach on that subject just for a moment. I don't have an outline. I don't have uh, a lot written down, but I want to get this truth of your problem might actually be, be the solution. Father, I pray <coughs> with the time we have tonight, uh, may the truth that you want to get across, uh, may it be delivered. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, <coughs> you would enable me. <coughs> I pray that the Spirit of God would give me the clarity of mind to know exactly what to say, when, when, to, <coughs> when to stop this evening. I pray that I have strength of body and voice uh, to deliver the message tonight. And Father, I pray that you would enable us with spiritual eyes to see beyond ourselves, to see beyond these four walls, uh, to see beyond what goes on in our homes and in our everyday uh, schedule. Uh, Father, I pray that we'll be reminded, no matter what the circumstances, <coughs> you are in the control. No matter what life brings, uh, nothing takes you by surprise. Uh, may we be helped this evening, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, two of the most interesting books in the Bible to me are First and Second Samuel. So much takes place in these two books. You think of King David and all that is wrapped into uh, that man's life, uh, from a child through his uh, uh, rule and reign as a king. There's much in the book of First and Second Samuel <clears throat> that uh, I always enjoy reading. So much to learn from. Uh, you think of Samuel. Often, I believe, as far as Old Testament prophets go, as, as, Old, as Old Testament figures that God used, uh, Samuel does not get the credit that Samuel deserves. Uh, Samuel was a great prophet of God. I think of Samuel and how God used Samuel. Immediately, what comes to mind is King David. And you think of King David and Samuel's relationship with David and how Samuel had to, uh, he or um, anointed David as the king. But even before that, uh, when the people clamored for an earthly king, when people clamored for a man to rule over, God gave in to what they were requesting. God gave them what they asked for. And God sent Samuel to anoint that first king. I always liken it like this. The people chose Saul for their first king, but then God chose David for the, for, to be the king after that. 
Uh, the people had chosen Saul, and the Bible is very complimentary of Saul at the beginning of the story of Saul. And Samuel put, <laughs> he anoints Saul. And if you study the relationship between Samuel and Saul, it was a very unique relationship. Uh, Samuel invested a lot into Saul. We know the story of Saul. Saul uh, became big in his own eyes. Uh, I think of the scripture when Samuel rebukes him, when thou was little in thine own sight. And friend, let us be reminded uh, to stay little in our own sight. And that's when God will use us in the greatest ways. But it was Samuel who rebuked Saul. It was Samuel who told Saul that God had rejected him, that God was taking the kingdom from him. The boldness of the man of God to look the king in the face and say, God is taking the kingdom from you. But Saul or Samuel mourned after that. Samuel mourned the loss of Saul. And God had to remind Saul or Samuel uh, to, uh, there's, an, there's, another, there's more work to be done. Go and find you another. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. And God chose David, and Samuel was the, was the, the, the man of God, the prophet of God that anointed <coughs> David to be king. Uh, Samuel was a great man of God. There's much to be thought about when we think of the life of Samuel. But that's kind of the end of the story, if you will, when we think of Samuel. But I want us to back up a little bit to chapter number 3 of the book of 1 Samuel. See, before Samuel, Samuel was that man of God who pulled that horn of oil out and anointed Saul to be the first king before he went as the mouthpiece of God and said, Saul, God is taking the kingdom from your family. He's rejected you. And before he anointed David to be the next king, we find Samuel, the child, we find Samuel in the house of God, in the temple, under the care of the priest Eli, in some very precarious situations as far as God's people are concerned. I look at 1 Samuel chapter number 3, and I'm reminded in verse number 3, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord. The lamp of God was to never go out. It was the responsibility of the priest to make sure the, the, the lamp stayed lit. And it was because of the neglect, it was because of the, the, the lack of responsibility because it was the <coughs> lack of care of those that had been entrusted with that. We find that story of, of when God speaks and calls the name of the child Samuel when he's trying to sleep and he says, Samuel. And we know the story, but I'll remind you very quickly, Samuel runs into Eli and, said, and asks him, what did, he, what did he want? He said, I didn't call you. He goes back and God speaks again. And he goes back to Eli, and Eli says, I didn't call you. But if you hear the voice again, <coughs> it's God. Uh, answer him. And, of course, I'm paraphrasing the story, but God calls again. Samuel says, here am I, Lord. And what a story unfolds for there. But there is a serious situation when it comes to the things of God. There had been neglect. The lamp had gone out. God needed somebody to stand in that gap 
somebody to be faithful, somebody who would fulfill their duty and responsibility and give attention to the things of God that God has said to give attention to. You look a little further down in chapter number 3, we find verse number 11. A verse I love, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. A verse I often reference and just, just to help this preacher. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. Samuel, I'm going to do something so big that whenever anybody hears it, their ears are going to tingle. Get ready for an ear-tingling experience because God is going to do something big. He did not tell Eli that. He did not tell those wicked sons of his, Hophni and Phinehas, that he was going to do a big work. He had a young man who answered and said, Here am I. I'm available. Use me. He had somebody that he could depend on. He has someone who he could invest in. And let me just stop and say this. God is still looking for men and women who just make themselves available to God and say, whatever I have, you can have, and I, I will be faithful. And I will just do what my, fulfill my responsibilities. And God, you can count on me. No matter what comes my way, I will be faithful to you. He had someone in Samuel. Sometime, do a personal Bible study through chapter number 2 and into chapter number 3, comparing Samuel to Eli, comparing Samuel to Hophni and Phinehas. If you don't know those characters, look at chapter number 2 and you'll get an idea. I'll reference them in just a moment. But now God had a man that he was going to use to set in place things in the nation of Israel that everyone that heard it not one ear would tingle, but both ears would tingle. We know, if you know your Bible, it is the kingdom of David that had to be established. It's from the lineage of David the Messiah would come. The Son of God would come. And we know how important that is so that the sins of the world could be paid for. And a man might know salvation. And he was going to use Samuel to be a very pivotal key to that but before, leading up to, the reason the lamp of God went out is you look at the current administration, if you will, in the house of God. In verse 23 of chapter 2, Eli, as an old man, had wicked sons. You understand that it's not like it is today. It's a little bit different. You know that my father before me was the pastor here for 32 years. I'm now the pastor. I'll say, say this. It has very little to do that I, I was his son. It has everything to do that is what God ordained. It is a very rare thing for that to happen and actually work. Very rare. But it's not past from person to person. And you understand that because I have three daughters. And one of my children when she was young asked the question, so who, is, is who, do I, who I marry the next pastor? She was at least smart enough to know that she wasn't going to be the pastor. 
And in her mind, it was royalty. Passed down from Papa to Dad to whoever I married. Now, Anna asked, do I get to be the pastor? But that's, that's just different in personality. But in the house of the priest, there was a tribe chosen by God. A tribe chosen to handle the, the temple. Eli had the responsibility. His sons had the same responsibility. His sons used their position for themselves. His sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were wicked. God dealt specifically and personally with Eli and his two sons. But in verse 23, it kind of sums up the story of Hophni and Phinehas of chapter number 2. And Eli speaking here, and he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. They were so wicked... And they were so bold in their wickedness that everybody knew about it. This is the scene when Samuel, the story of Samuel begins. These are the circumstances when Samuel steps on the scene. This is how wicked the day was. This is how, how little that those who had the responsibility to tend to the things of God took their responsibility. The lamp in the temple has gone out. Wickedness is at the door of the house of God. God's things are in mockery. Bla blasphemy takes place on a daily basis. And we find in the midst of this, a child, a young man that God calls out to, and he says, here am I. And God says, Samuel, I'm going to do something so great that the ears of everybody who hear it are going to tingle. So yes, Samuel was very instrumental in the anointing of the king's. Samuel was very instrumental in being a voice of advice to God's people. But before that, there was a young man who said, you can count on me, God. There was a young man who God saw something in him and said, I can count on him. I can depend on him. The lamp's going out. I need a man. Wickedness is at the door. I need a man. Thank God for Samuel. But that's not really my, the story. And that's not really my message. But all that is introduction for me to make my point. We talk of Samuel. And we think of Samuel. Greatly used by God. The things of God are in disarray. It's a pivotal time in the history of God's people. God, once again, I'll mention it again, is going to establish the kingdom of David. We understand the significance of that. He's going to establish that kingdom, and he's going to use Samuel 
to pay a very, play a very vital role in doing that. But you remember tonight what I said the title of the message was. Your problem may be the solution. I would dare say that most people in here tonight, when I said the, me- the title of the message this morning, <coughs> when I said the title of the message tonight, your problem may be the solution. Most of us, if not all of us, thought I was talking about our solution. I'm not speaking of our solution. But tonight, very quickly, I just want to make the application and the point that your problem very well may be the solution. Very well may, may, may be the solution for a problem bigger that God is going to use for his will. See, Hannah, as we spoke of this morning, and Hannah, who we preached about a couple of weeks ago, Hannah had a problem. Who is Samuel? Samuel is the young man who, when God spoke to him in the middle of the night, said, Here am I. Samuel is the one that God saw and said, He'll not let the lamp go out on his watch. Samuel is the one that God saw and said, I'm going to use him in God's sovereignty, in God's knowledge. He knew how he could use Samuel, and he used Samuel to set things in place. He knew the people would clamor for a king. He knew who the first king would be. He knew that he could trust Samuel, that when Saul rebelled, to go to Saul and say, God has rejected you. God is taking your kingdom. Then he knew Samuel would have the boldness. Yes, he was human. He mourned the the, the loss of Saul, but he knew he would have the boldness to go and say, where is the man after God's own heart? And God revealed to the man of God, it is David. He anointed David, and it was Samuel who God trusted through all all of this. But Samuel, we read of Samuel. We have the story of Samuel. We find the effect of Samuel's life as a solution. There was a problem. There was a problem amongst God's people. There is an apathy towards God. There is a, 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 a irresponsibility to the things of God. And God raised up a man to fix those problems. But Samuel began, let me remind you, as a problem that Hannah had. Let me use a different word than problem. As a burden. Why was Samuel in the temple when God spoke? Because in chapter number 1, verse 27, we have the testimony of Hannah. For this child I prayed. And her answer to prayer was the solution for the lamp going out. Her answer to prayer was the solution for the wickedness that lay at the temple door. Her answer to prayer was the solution 
that God used when Samuel stepped on the scene and said, Samuel, I'm going to do a work now. That whenever people hear of it, it's going to be so magnificent. It's going to be so great. Their ears tingle. I know the people have gotten apathetic. I know they don't even care that the lamp is going out when, I, when they have a command to never let the lamp go out. I know they are, are abusing the things of God. Hophni and Phineas are making a mockery of the things of God. And if that's the spiritual leadership, you can imagine how it's affecting everyone. If, if Eli is not even dealing with the things that he should be dealing with, how are the people going to be in a relationship with God as they could and should be? No, there was a problem that God's people had, and Samuel, God was going to use as the solution. But let me remind you why God was able to use Samuel. Because somebody by the name of Hannah had a burden, she had a disappointment. Let me remind you very quickly what the scripture says about Hannah. Obviously, God has shut up her womb. Verse number 8 of chapter 1, why is thy heart grieved? She grieved. Verse 10, she was in bitterness of soul. Verse 15 of chapter 1, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. God had closed her womb and she didn't understand. And the scripture tells us for years she begged God. For an answer to prayer. For years she begged God for strength for her burden. And God answered her prayer. But God's much bigger than just answering to prayer. Although he's very aware. And he wanted to do that for Hannah. But God in his sovereignty, God in his providence said, lady, I'll use your problem. I'll use your burden. I'll use your disappointment. I'll use your circumstances of life. And because you have come to me, and because you have prayed, and because you have been consumed, and because you have trusted me, and if you have put things in my hand, I'll answer your prayer. But your problem is going to be the solution for not just you in your house but for my people. Your problem is going to be the solution for the lamp going out in the temple. Your problem is going to be the solution for the wickedness that lays at the temple door. Your problem is going to be the solution that I, so the, uh, that because I need a man that I can depend on, I can trust to get Israel where I will want my people so that the kingdom that David can be established and so the Messiah can come, so the Son of God can come. Your problem, your burden, because you brought it to me, because you did not get angry about it, because you were consumed with God making a solution, I'm going to take your problem, and it actually is a solution, but not to just your problem, to much bigger than that. Let me make the application and we'll be done. Remember at the beginning when I asked you to think a little bit broader than you? I don't understand why God allows certain things to take place. I don't. 
And I can say it like this, and I think I'm going to say it with a pure heart. I don't agree with God on a lot of things that God allows. One thing I do know, and the message tonight reminds us, is His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And friend, it's bigger. The burden you carry tonight is bigger than you. The heartache you deal with on a daily basis is bigger than you. Hey, mom, you struggle to rear those children by yourself. It's bigger than you. Christian, you carry disease in your body. It's bigger than you. See, you shouldn't get bitter. You shouldn't quit on God. You shouldn't give up. You shouldn't throw up your hands and say, my life is over, my life is done. I never saw this coming. I never thought this was happening. Why don't we just follow the pattern that Hannah sets and go to God and beg God and trust God and give ourselves to God. And as I alluded to this morning, even after God answered her prayer, she didn't forget God. She didn't forget what God has said. She said, I made God a vow. And by the way, there's too many Christians trying to get out of the vow they made God and trying to forget the vow they made God. And you don't have the Christianity of Hannah, the mother of Samuel, who said, I made a vow and God gave me an answer to my prayer and God gave me a son and I'm going to be faithful with my vow and I'm going to give it back. Oh, Christian, quit throwing the excuse of what could I possibly do for God. Won't you just give it to him? It very well may be the solution to the lamp going out. It very well may be the solution for for wickedness being at the door. It very well may be the solution for God needing somebody faithful to stand in the gap for what he needs. I think of so many that God has used through the years, through the decades, through the centuries, our wonderful heritage. What greatness, humanly speaking, how God used some of the greatest men of years gone by, and they've come out of the most humble of circumstances. And to hear them give testimony, to read of their testimony of a single mom who wouldn't quit. Growing up in a drunkard's home. And the dreams of mom being dashed. And now the focus turns. Because now I've got a problem. Now I've got a burden. God, what can you do with my burden? In our story, we find he can raise up a Samuel. In history, we find that he can raise up great men of God, great missionaries, people greatly used of God. See, I don't have an explanation of why your burden's your burden. But don't be selfish with it. Because your problem very well may be the solution. Pastor, I, ne- I never thought, I never thought. 
Somebody will walk out on me. Pastor, I never thought that it would be me receiving the doctor's report and altering my life. Pastor, I never thought it would be my child that breaks my heart. I never thought it would be me that had the prodigal. Pastor, what do I do? Understand something. We have a God who's bigger than everything. He can take the most negative of circumstances. He can take the failures of us and others, and He can use them to put something in the heart of a Christian for somebody to say, well, maybe I don't have the dreams that I thought I was going to have But I see somebody running around here. I see a child. They don't have behind them what they ought to have behind them. And I can do this. I can pray for God to use them. Oh, I remember when so-and-so walked the aisle and said, that little child that said, I think God's called me to the mission field. Or I think God's called me to preach. Oh, I can pray for them. And I can invest in them. And I can pour in them. There's too many Christians that are selfish with their disappointments. They're selfish with their heartaches. And your problem very well may be the solution Not for you, but for the lamp to stay lit. That's why, young people, it's important for you to fulfill your vow. You may not be the one who brings revival to our nation, but you may win the one. I've, I've counseled with many through my time as pastor who, when they were younger, they surrendered, they gave themselves to God, and they've always made themselves available, but God never used them in the way that God thought, that they thought God was going to use them. And I've often offered this advice or this thought. Maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about somebody living in your house. Maybe it's about a grandchild that's not been born yet. Pastor, I've been disappointed. This is what I wanted. Okay. I think we all can relate. Why don't we instead, and I close, why don't we, instead of looking to God and saying, why? Why don't we just pour our heart out to God? And say, God, would you grant me this? God, I don't understand. I have a pure heart. I have pure motives. I, 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 you, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. God, if you give me an opportunity, I'll give it back to you. God, if you'll let me teach a Sunday school class and invest in somebody else, I'll give it back to you. If you'll let me just, just have an influence of somebody, and, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe my children have rebelled, but maybe it's a grandchild I can influence, or maybe it's somebody else's child. If you'll let me have purpose, if you'll let me be you. Yes, I have a burden, and yes, I've been disappointed. But from that, was somebody who went to God made vows to God, kept their vows. And God took their problem 
and you made it the solution. Friend, God may never give you the answer to why you have stood by a grave. But I can tell you this, God could use that to make a difference in the life of somebody else. I can't explain to you because I don't understand it, but I can't explain to you. Somebody may walk out on you. Can't explain it. But I can say this. God can use it. Just be faithful. Be faithful. I don't understand why God rearranges our life the way God does. But I would say this. I don't think Hannah had any idea how big that solution was going to be. She never saw on this side of eternity the completion of what God used of that burden in her life. Your life is only a failure if you quit. Your problem could be the solution. I, I don't know who. I hope, I hope, I, I mean, I, I assume God's going to give me decades more time to serve as the pastor of this church. I don't know who it is that's going to follow me. But why don't we just invest in people and let God work that out? Some of you were my teachers when I was young, and you're shocked every Sunday. Don't be selfish with your burden. Take it to the Lord. I'm reminded tonight from this story. I love thinking, approaching the Bible, thinking in this manner. Let's see. Let's try and see everything that God did. Because these were real people. They had same similar problems that you and I have. Flesh, doubts, fears. Boy, Samuel. Samuel? Lamp's going out. Here am I, Lord. Here am I. I've got a man. And Samuel, you listen very carefully. I'm going to do a work that's going to cause the years to tingle. It's going to be so mighty and so great. Yes, God did that because of the willing heart of Samuel. But that was born in the shed tears of Hannah. It was set in motion with the tears of Hannah. It was set in motion with the vow of Hannah. God, if you, I will. And oh, the fulfillment of her vow. And God used that problem to be a solution for his people. Father, I come.